This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So there's a topic that I've wanted to discuss for some time now on the podcast, but an article on marketwatch.com recently really got me thinking about it. So then I was like, okay, I really have to cover this now. The article was called Save $1,000 a Year, Retire with Millions. Um, it's by uh, a writer named Paul Merriman. He is founder of Merriman Investment Advisors. He has a podcast and he also supports value investing principles. If you go check out his podcasts and um, his website, you'll see that he tends to be a value investor. And um, he writes some guest columns over there on Market Watch, and this was one of them. So the title again was Save $1,000 a Year, Retire with Millions. So that's a good title, right? Um, I'm interested in that. That's why I clicked on it because I, I love those articles. And, um, you know, we all want to know how can how can we be, be millionaires without winning the lottery? Although, you know, a lot of people try that angle. But if I can't win the lotto, then what's my other chances? And um, an article like this is, you know, attractive to me because it's laying out ways that I could do it without winning the lottery. So in the article, he argues that if you funded an investment portfolio starting in 1970 with $1,000 um, a year, and then you increase it about 3% annually due to inflation, and you invested in the S&P 500 in a basic index fund, um, he used one with just a 0.1% fee, and then he back-tested it. He found out that that $1,000 annual investment with the 3% uh, increase due to inflation, after 20 years, the account would have been worth $118,874. That was at the end of 1989. So from 1970 to 1989, which included a bear market, including a super bear market of 1972 to 1974, but it also included part of the secular bull rally that started in 1981. So you got a good combination in there. Um, you would have had $118,874. And that was after putting in, he calculated on average, I think, or by the end, it was $146.16 per month. So then keep going on that at the end of 2009. So another 20 years later, and we know it was happening then. That wasn't so pleasant. Um, you would have had $649,360. That was the Great Recession sell-off. So um, over those immediate years, this portfolio wouldn't have done much, even though you're adding the $1,000 plus the 3% gain. So it's definitely more than $1,000 by the time you get to 2009. But if you held on, you would have really seen the payoff because then we've started what I consider to be another secular bull market. And by the end of 2017, with this market rally going strong, that money would have grown into $1.9 million at the end of 2017. So, of course, that's uh, 48 years of investing, an enormous amount of time. And in that, uh, Paul writes that you would have put in $104,408, and it would be worth $1.9 million in the S&P 500, just the basic S&P 500 portfolio. Uh, but as we know, 
uh, small cap value has historically outperformed the S&P 500. So Mr. Merriman has calculated out what it would be like if you actually had a different mix of stocks in there. And he has an all-value ETF portfolio that he likes a lot. And that same 104000 in an all-value ETF portfolio would be worth, okay, ready, drum roll, please. What do you think? $4.4 million. So four, almost almost double, because the other one was 1.9 with the S&P. $4.4 million. Because as I said, in the back testing, historically, small cap value has outperformed the S&P 500. Doesn't feel like it right now, right? And it feels like those growth stocks will dominate forever and that's what I need to own. But if you had stayed with value over those 48 years, you'd be looking pretty good. Of course, the past performance is no guarantee of future returns because this is just all, you know, back testing and we already know what's happened and this is what's happened. Uh, so you have that aspect of it. But the Market Watch article has a comment section, and I found that to be the most interesting part of this article. Um, in addition to, you know, all the data he was giving in it. Um, is how people reacted to it. So all the negative Nellies were out there pointing out all the flaws in this article and in his strategy, um, which is common. We've seen, um, you know, nobody really wants to hear that it could take 48 years to get your $1.9 million and that you can't flee stocks when they sell off big like, uh, 2000 to 2003 or in 2008, 2009, um, the, this portfolio had stayed invested and then kept adding, which is very hard for most investors to do. But a couple of the flaws that people pointed out, the first one is that the $1,000 that was invested in 1970 doesn't sound like a lot to us now because many people... Listening right now, many of you guys could put in a thousand dollars. You could you could find that somewhere to put in, but in 1970, that was an enormous amount of money. Um, like an average salary back then, a pretty good salary actually was ten thousand dollars a year. So a thousand dollars was you know ten percent of a salary. That's a big percentage to save. So that is one of the Flaws that people point out, most average people could not have put 10,000 or 10% of their total income into stocks in 1970. Um, and then the second complaint is that no one would have been able to keep putting that in with the 3% raise every single year for 48 years uh, because something along the way would have derailed that investor. So we all know what some of those derailing things are. Could have been a job loss, maybe just a job change, maybe an illness, a divorce, or that person decided to save for a house or they were saving for kids' college education and so they weren't putting it in there. So their beef with it was no one is able to save every month or even every year for 48 years consistently. There would be breaks in there. So these are valid complaints. Um, I have no argument with either thing. They are both basically correct. Putting in, you know, a 10% of your salary 
initially would be very difficult for most investors. Um, and then even, you know, keep going that length of time. We all know, because I've talked about it here, that it's hard to even go five or 10 years consistently. Most people, even in their 401ks, aren't even doing that, let alone 48 years. But the article, the point of it is to highlight the power of compounding over the long term. And so if you invest little amounts, you those little amounts go a long way if you allow them to stay in and compound um, for even, you know, just even these short periods of times or shorter, I should say, the 20-year mark and then even the 40-year mark. And yes, there are bear markets in there and that's going to impact your investing, which is why you have to ride them out. But um, that's the whole point of this article. And so some people wanted to attack the messenger. Um, But another key point of it, I feel, is don't get overwhelmed by the big numbers. You know, a lot of the retirement websites, when you plug in all the stuff in there, they throw out these really huge numbers, as even this article did. I mean, 1.9 million or 4.4 million, that sounds like you can't do it. Or I always see those articles like, by age 40, you're supposed to have six times your income in your 401k. And if you don't, you're doomed. Like you get like a panic just reading those articles. So my advice is, to just start somewhere, you know, start with whatever you're able to start with and save even these small amounts, they'll add up. And even if you haven't saved anything yet and you're whatever age, you know, um, you know, you're 40, 50, 60 years old, something's better than nothing. That's how I always look at it. I would rather have, if you told me, um, you know, at age 65, you could have zero in an IRA or you could have $100,000 in an IRA. Well, I'd rather take the $100,000. To me, that's like winning the little lotto, right? The little lottos are usually like $100,000 or $200,000. Um, that's pretty nice. I'll take it. So we all know that life happens. And uh, things get in the way. But if you start with something, that's how you build. And if you're lucky to be invested in a secular bull market like we have right now, the compounding can really work its magic, which is what we've seen over um, the last even 10 years, but certainly since 2013, which is when I think the compounding really started. So where does that leave us for stocks and uh, my recommendations in today's podcast? Well, if small cap value has historically outperformed, why not look at some of those small cap value stocks today to see kind of what our options are and so that uh, investors who haven't started yet could maybe start with something along those lines. So I screened for small cap companies, which I used a market cap under $1.5 billion. Some people use under $1 billion, but I went a little bit bigger because I still consider that to be small at $1.5 billion. And I used three classic value metrics. I used PE under 15, price to sales ratio under 1, and the price to book under 3. And then I added a Zach's rank, but I used ones, twos, or number three, which is the hold, because I wanted it to be a little bit broader selection and because I would consider this to be long-term kind of holds um, because I want that compounding. So threes are okay because we're going to hold it for a longer term. The rank really works the best in the short term, one to three month 
holding period is the recommendation for the rank. So, but we can use it to screen for some of those companies with rising earnings estimates. Um, and then, uh, you know, use that plus the value to get the stocks that we want to look at. So I got 123 stock results with this screen. That's a pretty healthy number. And so that allowed me to pick and choose areas that I liked. Of course, the semiconductors were on there again. <laughs> They're always on there. Um, they're on there even more so because they've sold off again. But the estimates look good and they're super cheap. And then I got a lot of the home builders because those have been beaten down too, even though all of those earnings reports are equally as good. So I didn't go with any of those because we've covered those pretty extensively on the Value Investor Podcast. And I'm sure we will again in the future. So I went with a couple other choices. So the first stock... Uh, I think I might have covered this one before, actually, but it's been a little while, is Advansix. Its ticker is A-S-I-X. So this is a manufacturer of nylon-6 resin. They do chemical intermediates and ammonium sulfate fertilizer. (laughs) Getting a tongue twister here. Um, The nylon resin is used in a ton of things that's used in carpets, plastics, textiles, any kind of fibers. So you can see where the demand for this would be. For full year 2017, sales were up 24% year over year, including 9% volume increase. 3% was favorable impact of market-based pricing and 12% was higher raw material pass-through. But still, I like that volume increase there. Um, one thing to watch out for on this one though, and when I was like looking into it, and this is a problem with the small cap stocks, actually there, you never know what's going to go on with them, um, in ways more than the large caps I feel. But on March 13th, federal and state authorities entered one of their sites in Hopewell, Virginia. They had a search warrant and a subpoena. So you never want to see that. You never want to see the authorities like barging into one of their locations, Um, They released a statement saying that it may have to do with air emissions. Production at the plant was not impacted, but obviously um, this might impact the stock price, and it's something to watch with this one. It has a market cap of a billion, and its PE is 10.6. Price to book is just 2.8. Price to sales is 0.7. Does not pay a dividend, as a lot of small caps don't. But um, I do like the chemical side, and you got to like some of those uh, numbers that are going on there with their sales and their volumes being up. So that's one of the stocks. The second one is one in the restaurant group. I've been watching this group closely. As you know, I've done a lot of podcasts over the last couple of years about the restaurant stocks. First, them being maybe, you know, too bubblicious, too crazy valuations. And now, now that they're all selling off, they're getting more realistic in my mind. And so for us value investors, they're getting a little more interesting. So this company is um, Apoyo Loco. People out in the West Coast know them. They are the fried grilled chicken restaurant chain. Their ticker is L-O-C-O. And uh, they've been slowly expanding outside their home market in California, which is good because I want to see a little more diversity with their locations in case there's an earthquake or other kind of national or natural disaster. I don't want all their locations in one place. So they're now in Arizona, Nevada, Texas, and Utah. They have only a 367 million market cap. So this is a small restaurant chain, 
but um, they are holding on there. This is a very competitive area and they have um, higher labor costs now that they're having to deal with. So this is impacting. But same store sales up 1.4% last quarter. I like that. They're expecting flat comps for 2018, which is like, meh, okay. I'm not super thrilled with that, but I'll take it versus negative comps. And uh, their PE now is just 13.7. So they are in the value range now. Price to book is 1.3, price to sales 0.9. And if the shares fall further, mm, looking a little more juicy there. So be sure to keep the restaurant chains on your list. I'm going to be probably doing an a standalone value investor podcast on these companies because I'm seeing a lot more going on here that interests us. But for right now, just the loco L O C O. And then the third company is one I have covered here before, but they remain a value stock and basically ignored by the rest of the market. It's called Calaris. I think I couldn't pronounce it the last time either. When I put them on the show, I'm sorry. But their ticker is CAL. That's all you really need to know. They have global footwear brands. They own Famous Footwear, Famous.com, and then a whole bunch of just the brands, Naturalizer, Dr. Scholl's. The Beezies, I think I mentioned before, those are super popular with women. Um, They're kind of like a tennis shoe sandal. And every time I tried to get them, at least last year, they were sold out of all the styles and the the colors and everything that I wanted. And I went on like five different sites to try to get them. So Beezies, also super popular, like I said. Lifestride, Franco Sarto, Via Spigia. Um, Sam Edelman, plus a whole bunch of other ones. So a lot in shoes and shoes are popular because you can basically get a whole new look for relatively cheap um, by adding just a new pair of shoes. So fourth quarter sales up 11%. Like I said, shoes are popular and famous footwear up 7%. The brand portfolio up 13.8%. So all that sounds really good. Famous Footwear, same-store sales up 1.4. So again, I like seeing the positive same-store sales there with that big chain. Um, So yeah, these uh, has good um, cheapness. Like I said, the PE 13.5, price to book is 2, price to sales is 0.5. And this one actually does pay a dividend yielding 0.8%, which is a little rare, market cap of 1.45. So just under my 1.5 billion. So this isn't one of the smaller micro caps, small caps. This is one of the larger small caps, but um, I, I like the retail side right now and footwear is kind of being ignored. So that's Calaris with C-A-L as the ticker. And then um, as I said, a lot can go on with these small caps, like I, I just talked about with Advancix and that warrant. So it is hard to buy individual small caps. You have to have a pretty strong stomach to do it, which is why in the Merriman article, he uses ETFs as his portfolio. And I've talked about value stock ETFs in the past, but I want to talk about two more today because this is uh, a way you might want to just do it instead of buying the individual companies and the volatility that goes with that. So it's not a bad thing. I own some of these small cap value ETFs. The first just general broad one is the Spider S&P 600. And that ticker is S-L-Y-V as in Victor. 
And this one has an expense ratio of just 0.15%. That's pretty low. And it's it's important if you're going to hold them long term to keep that expense ratio as low as you can. It's yielding 1.6% right now. It This one has 454 holdings in it. So um, it's big, but not super big. The PE right now is 15.7, so a little bit higher, but that's to be expected somewhat with these ETFs. Um, it has a 1.6 billion average market cap because some of the holdings in there actually start growing, you know, um, out of the range of small cap, but they don't remove them. And so, but I still like that. It's not too big. And financials, 20.8%. Industrials, 18.6%. So those are the two big industries here. You're getting pretty big in the financials. It's 20% of the portfolio. But um, I'm a big fan of the banks right now. So I'm liking that. So the the most basic small cap value is the Spider S&P 600 SLYV. And then the second one is the Vanguard small cap value VBR. I've talked about this one in the past. I own this one in my own personal portfolio. This one is much bigger because they basically include some growth stocks in there. And it covers the um, bigger uh, index. So that's why it has 889 stocks in there. 30% are financials. So you're getting a lot more of those small cap banks. Then you're getting 20% industrials. So 50% are or banks and other financials and industrials. This one has a median market cap of $3.8 billion. Yeah, they have to go a little bit bigger in order to um, get all those stocks in there because there just simply is not enough small caps value stocks. This one, because it's so big as well, will also basically have some small cap growth in there. I've talked about that in the past too, that there's no way that they're finding almost 1,000 small cap value stocks. It just can't happen. In. So you're getting a little bit of growth there. That's why the Spider S&P 600 is a little more pure play value. While this one, you're getting kind of a combination. But this one, expense ratio is just 0.07%. So not even 0.1. That's really low. It has a yield of 1.8%. So you're getting a little bit of dividend there. And its PE is 16.5. So let's recap those stocks again in case you're interested in any of the stocks. We had Advanced 6 which is ASIX, um, Apoyo Loco, the restaurant chain, LOCO, Calaris, which is the footwear, CAL. And then if you just want to play the broader index, nothing wrong with that because that's what I do for part of my portfolio. Those are the Spider S&P 600 small cap value, SLY, V as in Victor, and then the Vanguard small cap value, V as in Victor, BR is the ticker there. And um, remember, like I said, these small little investments can add up. I used to be mocked for only wanting to invest like $100 a month in something. Um, people used to make fun of me like, oh, you know, that's lame. It's not going to do anything, blah, blah, blah. They would, you know, give me a lot of grief for it. But that was about 18 years ago now. So <laughs> things add up if you keep doing it. And it doesn't even need to be $100. It could be much smaller than that. And it'll still add up. So I encourage everybody to, uh, you know, get on some of those apps that you can get on now. Do the Robinhood or the Acorn where you're just putting in those small amounts. Everyone who does those now are seeing that, yeah, those those smaller amounts can really add up. So be sure to check those out and be sure to check out the MarketWatch article. I'm going to link to it in, in the article for here for the podcast. 
Um, but that one was Save a $1,000 a Year, Retire with Millions. And it's an interesting read, like I said. And be sure to subscribe here at the Value Investor Podcast so that you're always getting our podcasts and our stock and ETF ideas because I'm bringing them to you every week. And with the market in a correction now, we're going to see a lot more value coming into our radar. So I'm going to have uh, some interesting value stock uh, podcast coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, and you don't want to miss any of them. So get it um, as a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, or you can get us on SoundCloud. We're under the Zach's Market Edge logo over there on SoundCloud, though. You'll get both shows, so that's kind of two for one over there. And you can also get us as a two for one on Apple Podcasts if you want both or as a standalone under the Value Investor Podcast on on iTunes. So be sure to get us anywhere um, on all of these platforms. And I'll see you again next time. <laughs>